Good morning. And uh, welcome. It's good to see you this morning. Um, Pastor uh, Miller is focusing on his doctoral dissertation. And so we uh, pray for him, that God would help him and bless him in his uh, efforts and his studies. Um, Today we uh, continue the celebration of Easter. And in our gospel reading today, uh, we see Thomas, doubting Thomas, being confronted and encouraged by the risen Jesus Uh, Put your hands in my side and believe. May Jesus also strengthen us to believe, uh, knowing that he is with us through all the trials we face, even when we face doubts, and he's patient with us, just as he was with Thomas, leading him to put his faith in the risen Lord. We begin our worship this morning with our first hymn. Let's stand and sing together.
continue our worship calling on the name of the triune God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Mighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Upon this, your confession, I announce the grace of God to all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither, uh, nor angels nor rulers, nor present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Isn't that a wonderful word of God just to know that there's nothing, nothing in all creation, all these terrible things that can happen to us, nothing can separate us from God's love. What a word of reassurance. Our uh, psalm is from Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling His word mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people Praise all his saints for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. What a wonderful reminder that we are all, that all of creation uh, should praise God. He's our creator. He's the one worthy of our praise. Let's continue to praise him in our next hymn.
Our first reading is from Acts chapter 5, beginning with verse 29. And uh, this is obviously following Jesus' resurrection and following the day of Pentecost. And the apostles uh, had gathered together in Jerusalem, and now they were, after receiving the Holy Spirit, were sharing God's word, and the Sanhedrin had come down hard on them and um, told them not to uh, continue to proclaim the name of the risen Lord. Verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thoidas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too was perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So, in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men, let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading, which is also the basis of our message today, is from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise in honor of our Lord Jesus as we hear his words from the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. 
Glory to you, O Lord. In the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told, told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And <clears throat> put, your, uh, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I invite you to join me in confessing our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead, and I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
mentioned earlier this morning, we're going to be focusing on the epistle reading, the second reading that we heard today from 1 Peter chapter 1. And um, I want to just start, if you want to turn to that in your uh, worship guide, I want to just start a little bit earlier uh, at the very beginning of this letter. So we pick up in our reading today with verse 3. But I'd like to read to you those first two verses too, just to set the context a little. So Peter, um, obviously, uh, Jesus' apostle is writing. He writes, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So this is how he begins the letter. He, he introduces who it is exactly he's writing to. And he calls them elect exiles. And um, this is a theme throughout this uh, letter, his first letter, that uh, he's addressing those who have been dispersed from uh, Jerusalem and the surrounding areas to uh, out, outreach areas because of persecution. They had fled uh, because they were being persecuted. Similar to today, many Ukrainians have fled their country because of uh, their own persecution, so to speak, uh, political persecution. And so uh, they, were, they had dispersed to all these other areas uh, surrounding um, the historic lands of Israel and were uh, basically trying to save their lives. And so he's writing to these elect exiles, as Paul calls them, uh, chosen by God, and, um, and uh, Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Peter calls him, and Peter immediately goes in to uh, basically speak the name of the triune God over them, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, the, 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 the one who is making them holy, the one who is making them pure, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. Uh, their Savior who had sprinkled his blood upon them. So as we uh, focus on these uh, words from 1 Peter, that's the audience that he's writing to. But those words also impact us as well. And we, I think, can also rightly see ourselves as elect exiles. 
we haven't been exiled from our land, from our homes, for religious or political reasons, um, although many in the world today have been, uh, including many Christians for, for, for sake of their faith. But we are in a land that, in a sense, we might very well feel like exiles. Uh, though our faith in God hasn't changed, the, uh, the cultural milieu, the cultural uh, movement of our country has shifted dramatically. And so you might be able to relate very well to this term of being an exile, not in a different land, but in your own land. And for you, there's great encouragement in these, um, in these words. And throughout 1 Peter, we'll be looking at the next section uh, next week in 1 Peter also as we think of ourselves also as elect exiles. But today, as we focus in, zero in on these uh, verses uh, 3 through 9, um, I want us to focus especially on the trials that are mentioned here, the, the troubles, the tribulations, and facing those trials, not as someone who's beat down and defeated and uh, just can't overcome them, but someone who is offered the opportunity to face these trials with a very real, solid, rock-solid joy. And we see in our uh, first reading today where the apostles were being persecuted for their belief in Jesus as the Christ they had been eyewitnesses to his resurrection. How could they not believe it? Uh, they, when they were persecuted, when they faced their trials, it said they, they faced them with joy, with great joy, because they were considered worthy to suffer for the name. So we're going to talk about facing our trials with joy. Not just, um, not just our trials for, that come as a result of our faith, as they're as theirs was, as their troubles were, but um, whatever trials we may face in this life. And um, so I want to go through the text together and then think about a few things. What can we learn from Jesus on facing trials with joy? What can we learn from uh, some of the apostles, specifically um, the apostle Peter and Paul, on facing trials with joy? And what happens when we aren't experiencing that joy? Maybe, maybe more importantly, what do we do then? How do we um, carry on as Christians when we find ourselves in the dumps? And that joy that the Bible is talking about is, seems so elusive to us. Um, what happens then? How can, we, how can we continue to persevere? So, uh, again, turn back to your text. And there in verse 3, uh, Peter uh, gives this... Um, Praise to God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So giving God the Father praise for sending his Son to be our Savior. According to his great mercy, Peter writes, because of God has had great mercy on us, even though we are undeserving. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. We have a new life. We have been born again. Um, we're not the same as we once were, those who, of us who are in Christ Jesus um, and uh, you may have heard that term before, born again. Maybe someone has even asked you, are you a born again Christian? You weren't quite sure what to do with that. Um, the answer is yes. We have been, as Peter writes, born again. 
And um, especially as Lutheran Christians, we understand what it means to be born again through of water and the word. The Bible uses those terms to talk about being born again. Jesus, talking to Nicodemus, said, you must be born again. And um, Jesus referring to baptism. So uh, we who are baptized believers, you have a new life. You aren't the same as you once were. Maybe you were baptized very early. Maybe you were born again even as a, a, a young child or an infant even. Um, and uh, that doesn't, um, that doesn't uh, negate the fact that you are born again. Um, many people say you have, to, you have to like come to this decision about God, about Jesus later in life. You know, it can't happen when you're a young child. It can't happen when you're an infant. Um, but nowhere in scripture is there any kind of age uh, given that uh, one must be born again after a certain age. And um, when Jesus sent out his, his disciples, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, all nations, and not any particular age group. And in Acts, we see an um, entire family uh, being uh, brought into the family of God, being baptized, uh, the jailer in Philippi. And so, Am I born again? Yes. Are you born again? Yes, you are born again. You have a new life. Born again to a living hope. You have a hope that's not dead, but living. It's alive. And nothing will ever, uh, can ever put it out. Um, even though there may be times when you don't feel hopeful. Our feelings can be deceitful. It can deceive us. Um, but that hope that is in Christ is uh, not able to be put to death because... He is alive. The hope is alive, even when we don't feel that hope personally. You are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus rose, and as Pastor spoke last Sunday, uh, that resurrection changes everything. Um, Jesus resurrected from the dead to an inheritance. So not only are we born again, but we have an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Um, this is another topic that pastor has been speaking on um, at some points in the past uh, in our adult Bible study, this inheritance that we have uh, in Christ. And in order to receive an inheritance, the one who's giving the inheritance has to die, right? Jesus died so that we could have, so that we could receive this inheritance. But indeed, Jesus also rose again and is able to give us this inheritance in the flesh. This inheritance that uh, nothing can take away. It can't die. It's perfect. It's pure. It's undefiled. It's holy. And it's unfading. Uh, moth and rust cannot destroy it. Like everything else on this earth. It's kept in heaven for you, Peter writes. For you, for you personally, for you who are listening to these words, you who by God's power are being guarded through faith. It's an interesting way of putting it, that your faith is guarding all of this for you. That the faith that God has planted in your heart, like a seed planted in good soil, uh, that is growing, is protecting you, and is keeping you safe, and is preserving for you all of these good things. Um, the, the new life, the living hope, the inheritance in heaven. 
you are guarded through faith, the faith God has given you, for the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. When Jesus returns and when all is put to right and when our bodies are raised from the dead and we stand and we greet those who've gone before us in the face, in the faith and see them face to face and embrace. Um, what a great joy we have. What a great hope we have. It is secure in Christ's resurrection. In this you rejoice, Peter continues, though now for a little while, and remember, he's writing to these exiles, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. They had to flee for their lives. They were being chased down and imprisoned and put to death and persecuted and tortured. So they have been grieved. They knew what trials were in ways that we probably don't. Many of us haven't experienced. And Peter goes on to say, there's a reason for these trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a purpose for our trials. There's a purpose for our suffering. There's a purpose for when you are being persecuted, when you're going through those hard times, when you don't know the answers, when your hope is on a thread. There's a reason for it. It's the same reason that gold is, is put above a flame. The gold is put above a flame. The precious metals are put above a flame to burn off all that would make them impure, Right? to burn off all the impurities, to separate the gold from everything else, from the dross. And our sufferings, our trials, serve that same purpose. When we go through the fires, when we feel like everything's burning up around us, there's a reason in God's design for this, to, to separate out from us anything impure, anything unclean, anything that would, would separate us from God. There's a reason. And although we may not like it at the time, I'm sure that these exiles that uh, uh, Peter is writing to were not thrilled to leave their homes and their loved ones and escape with their lives to all these various places where they'd maybe never been before and try to set up shop all over again. They probably weren't very happy about that at the time. But Peter's saying there's a reason for it. It's worth it. And it's worth it when we face those trials too, even though we may not like it at the time, even though we may not realize it at the time, what, what God is doing through these trials. There's a reason for it, and it's worth it. God is separating the dross from what is pure, from what he has created within us through his word. And so that that which he has purified, so that you whom he has purified through suffering, through trials, may ultimately bring praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed, when Jesus returns. And not only will you bring Jesus praise, honor, and glory, but Jesus in his, in his word is very clear in saying, you will receive honor, you will receive glory. Not the glory that God alone deserves, but um, he who is exalted will also exalt you. Though you have not seen him, Peter continues, you love him. And this is one of the great mysteries of Christianity. 
that though we have not seen him, though there's no, for you and me personally, there's, there's perhaps no eyewitness unless you've seen God in a vision, which has, has happened. Um, you have not seen him, but you, it says, you love him. And that's what God through his word does in our lives. He evokes this great love uh, in our hearts for him when we understand that he is love. He is perfect love. And he has shown that uh, perfect love to us um, so amazingly, giving his only son to die for us. And Jesus willingly doing that Jesus willingly going to the cross and taking all of our sins, all of our shame, all of the stuff from our, from our lives, from our past that we're ashamed of. He's taken it all upon himself and he's, he's died. He's taken it to the, to the tomb and removed it from us. And although in our memories we, we think about all the crap that we've done, the Bible says that when God sees us now through his son, he doesn't see that. He sees you as pure. <laughs> and knowing and, and receiving that, receiving that, hearing that, and saying, yes, yes, I accept this. God, by God's help, by the Holy Spirit working faith in us, evokes in us a, a great love for God. And so uh, we as Christians, we love God, even though we have not seen him. We love Jesus even though we not, have not seen him, he's placed that love in our hearts um, for him and for one another. Um, and Peter continues, though you do not see him, you believe. And again, one of the great mysteries of Christianity, we, we believe in him whom we have not seen. And we rejoice, uh, Peter closes, with joy that is inexpressible. <laughs> joy that we really can't even put into words. Um, and sometimes uh, it's a joy that, that is very, very deep and not surface level at all, especially when we're going through sufferings and trials, knowing that God is there with us no matter what we are going through. He will not abandon us. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. So, facing trials with joy. What can we learn from Jesus um, in facing trials with joy. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2, as we think about Jesus and his um, life and um, his time on earth, um, he faced a lot of trials. He, he went through a lot. Um, he's described in one place as not having a pillow on which to lay his head. Um, he slept out in the open. He never had a home of his own other than the one that his parents had given, them, given him when he was younger. Um, he uh, wasn't necessarily destitute. Uh, there were uh, those who saw his miracles, who heard his teaching, who followed him, who wanted to support him and the other apostles in their ministry. Um, and so it's not like he ever had want um, per se, but at the same time, he willingly um, gave up food and, and drink. He, you know, he willingly went to the wilderness. He willingly gave up com comfort, and for 40 days, he, he was there, 
struggling. Um, struggling in ways that none, I don't think any of us can really relate to. Struggling probably like no other human has ever struggled, especially during that time. Um, at the end of which, this, Satan came and tempted him, tested him. Um, so Jesus knew trials. And of course, uh, the religious leaders um, who should have loved God and loved his anointed one, the Messiah, uh, most of them um, wanted nothing to do with him, uh, mocked him, uh, ridiculed him, tried to do everything they could to push people away from him, and um, finally plotted to kill him and carried it out. Um, Jesus knew what it was like to, to go through trials. Um, and in the garden, praying for what was to come the night before he was crucified. And we read in one place that uh, he, that sweat, like great drops of blood, like he was crying, so he was praying out to God, crying out to God so intensely that it's hard to even describe what that was like. You know, I think the, the gospel writers have a hard time even describing what that was like for him. Peter, James, and John were with him in the garden, but while they were snoozing, Jesus was doing battle, spiritual battle, um, on his own. He knew what it was like to be on his own, completely alone, completely abandoned, hated, and... Uh, whipped and until the blood was coming down his back and nailed to the cross. Jesus knew what it was like to face trials. And to me, and hopefully to you, that gives a great amount of comfort to know that no matter what I go through in this life, no matter what you going through, going through in this life, guess what? God, God's son, Jesus, has willingly placed himself in a position to endure far more than I probably ever will, than I ever could. And he did it because he loves me. He did it because he loves you. So there's, for me, I find tremendous comfort in that, that God would do that for me. God, would, God did that for you. And um, as we read in Hebrews... Uh, chapter uh, chapter um, 12, right at the beginning, uh, the, the author of Hebrews says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the one who, who creates faith in us and perfects our faith th through trials, through suffering, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy set before him, excuse me, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Excuse me. <clears throat> Look to Jesus. So what can we learn from Jesus about um, facing trials with joy? We can look to him who willingly went through all these trials because his eyes were on the joy that awaited him. The joy that awaited him, the joy that was set before him. 
He endured all these things, the cross, the shame. His eyes were focused on the joy. And your eyes, as you uh, face trials, you can learn from Jesus in placing your eyes on the joy. The joy that not only was set before him, but the joy that's set before you. The joy that was set before him was the joy of coming into his father's presence and hearing his father, wrap, seeing his, having his father wrap his arms around him, look him in the eye and say, say, well done, my good and faithful son. You did it. You did it. You saved them. You brought our family back to us. And um, God, it says, exalted him at his right hand. This is your spot, son. You deserve this. And uh, the joy that awaits us isn't exactly the same. Obviously, we're not the son of God, but uh, it's right along with it that Jesus exalts those. He exalts us. He, the exalted one, exalts us. And so you have a wonderful joy awaiting you. Um, the Bible says that God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, may that inspire you to like, do what God wants you to do in your life. And um, for that joy, set that, your eyes on that joy of what awaits you. God wrapping his arms around you and saying, I'm so glad you're home. I love you. I'm so glad that you're a part of my eternal family. The joy that awaits you of having your body raised again and not having any more knee pains or, you know, body aches or you know, psychological trauma, whatever it might be, that you're going to be whole again and there will be no more tears, no more suffering. This is the joy that awaits you. And so we can learn from Jesus to face our trials with joy by setting our eyes on the joy that awaits us. How about the apostles? What can we learn from the apostles on facing trials with joy? Um, so Peter um, the author of our epistle reading, he um, denied Christ, right? He didn't betray him like Judas. He didn't like turn him over to the ones who wanted to kill him, but he denied him three times, just like Jesus said he would. I don't, I don't know this guy. I don't know. I'm just, you know, warming myself by the fire. I don't know who that is. I'm not one of those disciples. No, no, that's not, that's not me. Um, Imagine what was going through his head when Jesus came and stood among them in that empty room. <laughs> Twice. Imagine what Peter was thinking, the guilt, the shame, wondering, you know, what, what's Jesus going to do with me, you know? And that's a trial that some of us go through at times, you know, where we, like, maybe think of stuff we've done and we're like, you know, what's Jesus going to do with me? We can be encouraged in those kind of trials too as we see how Jesus treated Peter in, in John chapter 21. Jesus, I won't read this because it's too long for right now, but Jesus comes to the apostles by the Sea of, um, of Tiberias and Peter had decided to go out fishing, 
Maybe all these thoughts swirling through his head, like, you know, I'm, I'm really not worthy to be one of Jesus' followers. And uh, he's like, I'm going fishing. And so they, he and some others got in the boat, and, and that whole night they, caught, they didn't catch a thing. And then they see someone on the shore, and he tells them to throw it on the other side, and they do, and there's a huge catch of fish. Just like when Jesus first called Peter to follow him. And they realize who it is. And Jesus already has a fire going. He's already got breakfast for him then. And then Jesus pulls Peter aside and is like, do you love me? And Peter's probably like, oh gosh, here it comes, you know. And uh, three times Jesus asked Peter if he loves him. And instead of Jesus saying, Peter, you don't love me. You denied me. You know, I really don't want anything to do with you anymore. Jesus didn't say that. He said, feed my lambs. And the second time, tend my sheep. And the third time, feed my sheep. It's like, not only do I love you, Peter, but not only do I not abandon you, but guess what? I've got great plans for you. You're a part of this kingdom. You're an important part of this kingdom. And you're going to take care of my flock. Now, just imagine being Peter just like overwhelmed. And so what we can learn from Peter in facing trials with joy, and this letter that he wrote about it um, to the exiles, is no matter what you've done in the past that may make you feel like you you aren't worthy or that God probably doesn't want to have anything to do with you or, you know, how could Jesus love me after what I've done? Guess what? He does. He does. And you are a part of his kingdom. And he has great plans for you also. So don't give up hope. Face those trials. Even those that feel like they're pulling you away from God, face them. You can face them with joy as you look to what Jesus has done in the life of Peter and others, and so many others. And then finally, what can we learn um, from Paul about facing trials with joy? I love this from Philippians chapter 1. So Peter, Paul is in prison when he's writing this letter, and he says, uh, the whole letter is awesome. It's all about joy. It's all about rejoicing. Um, so he says, what then? This is in verse 18. In every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In that, I rejoice. So he's talking about different people. And then here's what I really want us to focus on. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope, I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So, and, and both of these disciples, most of the apostles, except for John, that we, we know, uh, were put to death for their faith, right? For, for following Jesus, proclaiming Christ. So even in prison, Paul is saying, it's all good. Whether I'm alive or whether I'm dead, it's all good. Uh, I will not be ashamed. Christ will be honored in my life. 
whether I'm alive or dead. And he found joy even in this terrible condition, even in prison. And so what, whatever it is that you're facing, you can face those trials with joy. So what happens when we aren't experiencing that joy? What happens when, and I'll just try to close this real quick, when you feel like nothing can bring you back from where you are? If you're down in the dumps, however you want to talk about it. Um, if you're in a dark place, however you might describe that. Um, and for this, I just want to share a personal um, example uh, from my own life. In our uh, elders meetings, Pastor uh, Miller's been leading us through a book called Leading with a Limp. And it's a book that guides his own ministry. And it was written by a pastor who argues that um, God is able to work most powerfully when we're transparent, when we open up about what uh, we're struggling with as Christian leaders so that others can see that and like relate, you know. And you, you look at different people in the Bible and the ones I think that make the biggest impact are when you see like their real life, like David who, who killed, you know, Uriah and all these terrible things and still God used him and didn't abandon him. Um, or Peter, you know, like we were just talking about, who denied him. So uh, for me, one of, one of the hardest moments that I had in my life, my walk with God, was um, when I was serving as a pastor in California, and one of our teachers of our school came down with um, cancer of the bone and um, ended up having to get a transplant and had this transplant her name was Mrs. Magnus, and she, her, she and her husband had two beautiful children, a wonderful Christian family, uh, members of her congregation. And uh, as a result of the transplant medication, she was at Stanford, she uh, had an allergic reaction, and she ended up dying very suddenly, leaving her husband. Uh, some, I've shared this with some of you before, a, a widower and her children uh, without a mother. And... Um, you know, that just sucked it right out of me, to be honest. Um, it's like, God, what? You know, it's not, this, is, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. Look, you know, if anyone's serving you, it's her. You know, she was making a huge difference in the lives of her kids. And her whole, like, throughout this cancer that she was battling, just her witness was so amazing to our whole community. Not just our church community, but the broader community. And um, yeah, I really struggle with that. And I, I found myself really questioning God. And in that instance, what needed to happen in my life uh, is, is where God finally brought me to the point where I, I realized, who am I to question God? You know, I'm his, she's his. God is bigger than me, <laughs> We, we don't know all the answers, and that's, that's okay. We're not going to know all the answers. And maybe you've gone through a, a loss like this or something similar, a divorce or um, your children getting addicted to drugs or whatever it might be, um, and it just gets sucked right out of you, and you're just left kind of limp and not knowing really what to do. For me, what, what happened in that case, for me personally, 
was to be led to a point where I needed to, to repent. I just needed to get on my knees before God and say, God, I've been judging you, basically. You know, I've been questioning you. And who am I to do that? Who am I to judge you? And after God brought me to that point realizing I needed to repent of my own, like basically placing myself in a position above God, right, where I was questioning what he was doing, is when God started to begin the healing process in me and bring back that joy that was gone. So sometimes um, it might be that there's something that needs to be repented of. Um, And that wasn't the only time in my life where I felt that joy gone and and God bringing me to the realization it was it was there was a need to repent so I just share that with you uh that that may be the case for you if you're at a point where you're wondering where's my joy I don't have that joy that Bible's talking about um it may be that God is calling you to repent of something that you've done or are doing um and to turn away from that and and let God be God and put him back in that place in your life and um, step down from that throne um, where you've placed yourself. There are other things, of course, that can steal our joy. That's um, one of them, is um, sin, whether it's sin that we know about or sin that we aren't even aware of that we're doing. Um, So I I hope that uh, these words are helpful for you as you think about um, what... Peter shared with us here that uh, although there are times when we are overwhelmed and wonder how we will move forward, the disciples um, felt this way certainly after Jesus' death, but his resurrection opened their eyes to see that nothing, not even death itself, can destroy the hope that Jesus gives and the joy that Jesus gives. And the disciples were able to face the rest of their lives with that joy even through the most difficult struggles, and so can you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for Peter's words to the exiled, the elect exiles, um, comforting them, encouraging them to face those trials with joy. Thank you for the uh, example that you've given us in our Lord Jesus, the one who faced the greatest trials, the greatest trials, challenges with joy for the joy that awaited him and help us lord to keep our eyes on that joy that awaits us to repent when we need to so that our joy may be restored and lord continue to lift us up in those dark moments of our life knowing that you are with us and that you will never abandon us and that you love us in jesus name we pray amen our worship continues um, as we bring to the lord our offerings Lift high the name of Jesus, of Jesus our King Make known the power of His grace, the beauty of His peace Remember how His mercy reached as we cried out to Him He lifted us solid ground to freedom from our sin. Oh, sing my soul and 
he's done Till the earth and heavens are filled with his glory Let us stand for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this first Sunday after Easter celebrating, continue to celebrate your resurrection and the joy, the deep joy that you do offer and that you give us freely. Um, Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. We pray that you would allow the spread of the gospel throughout the world and that many who currently do not know your love, do not know your grace and mercy would come to know you and put their faith in you. We pray that you would open eyes that are um, blind and hearts that are hardened and ears that are stopped. And Lord, if there are any here today that are struggling with their own faith, um, we pray that you would be with them in particular and strengthen them and um, bring the knowledge of your love to them today, Lord. Heavenly Father, we um, lift up to you our prayer for peace in the world. We especially pray for a peaceful resolution between Ukraine and Russia and in other lands that are torn by war. We pray that you would be with those who are exiles today and refugees and ask that you would comfort them and extend your grace and mercy to them. And may your Christian church throughout the world reach out to them in love. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would grant good governance throughout the world. We pray for the leaders that you have appointed, and we ask that you would help them to lead with wisdom and, and with mercy. Uh, Lord, in your mercy. Father, we also lift up to you um, those who, have, who are suffering, um, those who are suffering physically, those who are suffering mentally or emotionally. We ask that you would bring comfort. We pray um, in particular for those who have suffered from the recent storms. Um, we ask that you would be with those who've lost their homes or loved ones. Bring comfort to those who grieve. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray for our community of Glen Carbon and surrounding communities. We ask that your grace would continue to be poured out through us into um, our neighbors' lives and those around us. Father, we ask that you would also be with um, LCMS churches in our area and throughout the world. We especially lift up our sister church in Edwardsville, Trinity, and we pray your blessing over their pastor and their people, and we pray that you would um, continue to strengthen our bond of fellowship we pray for other Christian churches in our community and around the world, too, and ask that you would continue to allow the gospel message of your Son to go forth um, with truth and grace. Lord, in your mercy. We pray, um, Father, for the future of um, our congregation, um, the vision path process that we are a part of right now, and ask that you would um, yeah, lead each of us in prayer to seek your vision for our congregation and that through this process, we would all uh, come to a more unified and better understanding of your will and purpose for us here at St. James. Lord, in your mercy, we ask that you would be with all who are finding it difficult to find joy in their lives in the midst of trials, and that you would continue to point us to Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, and the joy that awaits us uh, with you and in the new creation to come. Lord, in your mercy, these and all prayers uh, that are still on our hearts, we lift to you, trusting that you hear us for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. And most especially, we are bound to praise you on this day for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the very Paschal Lamb, who was sacrificed for us and bore the sins of the whole world. By his dying, he has destroyed death, and by his rising again, he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John, and with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of pray in Jesus' name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is my blood of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ,
stand. Now may the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Bless the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. 
Well, uh, please take some time, as Pastor always reminds us, and greet around those around you. If there's someone you haven't met before, please give them your name and uh, introduce yourself and start uh, continuing that fellowship of faith that God has given us. Go in peace.